And so as we come together and we say this, we recognize that. But I, I guess it is the indeed part that is the biggest part of that greeting. I mean, when else throughout the year do you say indeed? Now, if you're British, you might say it a lot. Uh, you might throw bloody in there, you know, <laughs> bloody indeed or something like that. But you probably just don't go around saying indeed a lot. Indeed, we say, He is risen. It is a powerful affirmation. It is a statement of belief. Yes, you say back to me, He is alive. He is risen. If you don't believe that, it's probably a bit difficult to say indeed. You might say, ah, maybe. Or, I'm not sure at this point. Or, I once thought that, but I don't think it anymore. Or maybe just to be polite, you would say, indeed. But believing involves an understanding that reality is beyond our senses and our, uh, our, our understanding of our universe and the things that can and can't happen within that. That we are finite. And so we can only understand so much, but what we have around us, maybe we conclude that uh, we can only believe so much. Isn't that what the two men in dazzling clothes were trying to get the women there at the tomb to understand? If you look back at your text in Luke chapter 24, and if you don't have a Bible, there are some there on the pew racks in front of you. But if you look at Luke chapter 24, you see this encounter that is taking place. The women are going to... These are friends of Jesus. They are people who care dearly about Him and are just blinded by the sorrow of their hearts, and yet they still go to do what you do in preparing a body for death. So they go to the tomb. And these two men in dazzling clothes, or what we would think about as being angels, are there at the tomb, and they greet these women. Why are you looking here for Jesus. Why are you looking in the tomb for Jesus? He is risen. Indeed. And this is true for us today as well. As we come to the tomb this morning, as we stand at a distance of some 2,000 years from the tomb of Jesus, we might be just like those women. The messengers of God say to us this morning, He is not here. He has risen. But how, we ask? How did that happen? I mean, I can understand the metaphor. Metaphorically, yes, Jesus rose again. But how could it have happened literally? How can we honestly say, indeed, how could it be that someone who is dead is alive again? I mean, has anyone ever seen this? Don't raise your hand. Uh, although some claim to have seen such things. How is it that a loved one that we put into the ground six feet under could ever come back to life? 
These are important questions. Ones that we ask from time to time as we wonder if we are suspending our reason to believe in something that we can't prove happened. If we are like what Paul talks about, fools, or the foolishness of the cross, that people might laugh. You unreasonable Christians, you don't think at all. How could you believe that? And maybe that's what we worry about. Well, perhaps the best place to begin in finding an answer is just right outside this door in the beauty that we see in spring. Did you wonder if the trees would ever bud out again? If the bulbs that you haven't seen since last spring would ever return? I guess Carrie's didn't. <laughs> I didn't want it. He didn't want it. <laughs> There's some spiritual lessons there. Or if the dark gray of winter would ever be replaced with the vibrant shades of red and blue and green that surround us this spring. I mean, isn't it inspiring to see the white crosses of a dogwood tree in full bloom against the lifeless background of a exiting winter? The New York Times just yesterday featured Recognizing Spring Scientifically, an article by Nicholas St. Fleur about some fascinating indicators that spring is here. Uh, they, he talks about how the soil prepares itself for spring. That the smell of dirt that you smell uh, after it rains is evidence that the soil, the bacteria in the soil, uh, have been working and preparing for spring. That something incredible is going on beyond your sight. And it is something that you don't have to plan or pay for. It is something that God is doing in the ground. Or how the gray whales make their annual 10,000 mile trek with their calves. How many of you traveled very far this morning? Not too far. Whales travel 10,000 miles, these gray whales, every year with their baby calves. Or how inchworms arrive and do their, their string thing. And how foxes spend time in the spring. And if you want to see this, uh, sometime go on to New York Times and you can see these foxes playing on somebody's camera. You can see how they've recorded this. One other is how robins have a springtime ritual. How many of you have been flooded with robins in your yard? Good. Uh, as the author describes it, the American robin nests early in the year and typically lays a clutch of four eggs. Now I want to ask, how many of you knew that they were called a clutch? Bill, I would have suspected. Okay, good. I'm glad that, uh, that you knew about the clutch. I had no idea. Two to four times each breeding season, which ranges from spring to early summer. After an incubation period of 12 to 14 days, the little birdies hatch naked, blind, and helpless. In five days, their bulging eyes will open and down feathers will fluff, fluff up the little nestlings. If you have one of these outside your window, it's amazing. Within two weeks, the baby birds will leave the nest, unable to fly for another 10 days or so. 
If you ever see a baby robin hopping around its nest, leave it. Its parents are watching it learn. In fact, the parents will continue to incubate, feed, and protect their young for up to four weeks as they learn to fly and take care of themselves. After that, the young robins are on their own. Kids, do you hear that? (laughs) Spring is a busy time, isn't it? It's a busy time for all of God's creatures. A time of reproduction. A time of recreation. It is all about new life. And it reminds us that we too will have new life. But there's more than just nature available to help us with our belief. I mean, you can walk out of here today and experience God's beauty and creation and think about the resurrection, but there's more that's available to us. An Armenian Orthodox priest points out what else is required in a letter that he uh, wrote to his diocese about Easter. He says, To experience the holy resurrection, it is imperative that we renew our spiritual life. Otherwise, the human mind and reasoning are unable to pierce through the folds of the mystery of the resurrection and find a new path of life leading to Christ our Lord. I like that. I like how those Orthodox people think about Jesus. Though I'm not a part of the Orthodox Church, I do love the emphasis on mystery in their worship and in their practice. The Archbishop mentions both reason and mystery. We tend to think those can't go together, right? Reason will eliminate mystery. It gets us to the bottom of it and gives us an answer. But he indicates the necessity of both. And maybe that's where we need some help with our belief. We often approach resurrection with only our minds. Like the women who first arrived at the tomb. I mean, their thinking was normal, wasn't it? They expected to see a dead Jesus. They expected death. I mean, that's a logical, very reasonable thing when someone dies and you go to a burial site. And that same kind of thinking is true for us. People we love die. And we no longer expect to see them alive, at least not here on earth. Our health fails in some way, and we no longer feel alive. Our dream, the dream that we had for our lives, that we always wanted for ourselves, fades into death, and we feel like things for us are really all over. Our addiction crushes us once again and we expect nothing different for the future. Our world explodes with ISIS and we grow accustomed to living in fear and eventually accept this as the new normal for our world today. These are our expectations about things that die. But since when did God act according to our expectations and our assumptions. Since when did God get limited by those things that we continue to live with? 
So how are we to believe with our minds and our hearts? Maybe our belief could look or should look like Peter's. If you'll notice there in the text, the women come back and tell everybody else. They're the first witnesses that the tomb is empty. They come back and they tell everybody. And what happens? Peter takes off running. And maybe our belief should look like Peter's. The kind that gets your attention with a possibility about something that you want to be true more than anything else in the world. That causes you to jump up from your seat and to run full throttle to explore and to see what this is all about. You know something is amiss with what you've heard about Jesus. But you can't ignore what people are saying about Him or the experience of His reality in our world. Have you felt like this with Jesus lately? Or ever? Have you felt the draw of God in your life to get you to the point where you could see more of who Jesus was and is? We're having an incredible time on Wednesday nights. And I invite you to come uh, because we'll take as many as we can. But we're going through a book called The Challenge of Jesus. And we've had some rich and wonderful conversations about who Jesus was, the historical Jesus, and who Jesus is today. And how our thoughts of Him today are informed by our thoughts of who He was in His context. But have you ever allowed the reality of the resurrection of Jesus to renew your life? This mysterious thing of belief with our heart and with our mind is something that we struggle to identify with words. Try telling someone what it is like to believe. It's not always easy. It's such an emotional thing. It is something that we can feel deeply inside, much like the love that we have for someone else. But you certainly know of its reality. But there are a few things that we can identify and say about it. For one, belief is something that happens in the context of community. That's where God works best. When we are together. And you're certainly in the right place this morning as we gather together as a community. But our belief often begins at church, though it doesn't have to. You might have experienced God at a camp or out somewhere on a lake or watching the sunset or the sun rise. But it is certainly nurtured by other people who are exploring faith and practicing it for themselves. But we believe by hearing other people's stories, testimonies of faith as we share about what Jesus means to us or that day when God became more than just a word to us. As we hear those stories, our understanding and our belief is expanded in ways that we could have never imagined. We believe by being silent. We believe by being intentional about what is out there. You might say, well, I I believe there could be something out there. But belief leads us out as it did with Peter 
to experience the reality of it for ourselves. We believe by remembering the words of Jesus, just as the disciples did. But belief is also something that involves doubt. Bless you. It's the lilies. <laughs> belief is something that involves doubt. Belief is something that is not mutually exclusive to faith. Belief is also something that is strengthened and enhanced by the beliefs of other people. Uh, specifically people who do not believe exactly like we do. Our church is very involved in interfaith of North and Central Louisiana. And it, it is not a threat for us to be involved and to build relationships with people who uh, have different beliefs than we do. We shouldn't be threatened by that at all. It enhances our belief. It instructs us not only about what we believe, but why we believe it. And it's a wonderful thing. And all of this is certainly true when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. And to our resurrection as well. There's something within each of us that points toward to and certainly yearns for the eternal. We know that this life cannot be all that there is. Yes, God continues to recreate in beautiful ways. Jesus amplified this reality with His words, with His life, with His death, and certainly with His resurrection. And so, He is risen. And you would say, He is risen.